Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Randy Mitchell. Jesus said to his disciples, Ye are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Salt and Light confronts the difficult and often controversial issues that affect today's culture. The only hope for this generation is for more people to follow Jesus Christ and for his followers to be salt and light in their community. Pastor Randy will discuss the Bible solutions to help us know what God says about the problems we face today. Salt and Light is a ministry of Temple Baptist Church in Statesville, North Carolina. Here's your host, Pastor Randy Mitchell. Good morning, good morning. I am so happy to be with you here today and so happy to have a very special uh, co-host with me here today, my wife, Sister Lynn Mitchell. How are you doing, Lynn? I'm doing great. Good morning on this very hot and humid day. Yeah, it has been awfully warm here lately. I am so thankful that you have um, decided to join us here on Salt and Light. As you know, our listeners don't realize this, but I've been trying to get you back on Salt and Light for like, what, 100 years now. <laughs> and uh, oh. it's, been, uh, it's been a while. You've been on the broadcast, uh, uh, what, half a dozen times maybe? And we've had some uh, good broadcasts. But uh, anyhow, I'm glad that you finally decided to come and join us. And it is a joy to have you here today. Well, glad to be here. And thanks for having me. Yeah, well, amen. Well, you have been awfully busy here lately, and you talked about how warm that it's been. Uh, share with our listeners uh, what you've really been busy um, this summer with the, the heat and everything, what's been going on. Your, I guess your biggest hobby, I would say. My hobby at the moment. <laughs> at the moment. At the moment um, is gardening, and mm. I've gotten into organic gardening, mm-hmm. and um, to tell the truth, this year I have had just a beautiful garden just my daughter said mom it looks like the garden of eden over here i know and but well i kind of got a little discouraged last night because i found out talking to other people their gardens are great this year too so (laughs) it probably wasn't nothing i did it's probably the early uh, spring rains. We had a lot of rain, so maybe it's not what I'm doing. Maybe God's just I, doing it. Who knows? I know that last year when you, I mean, you've been talking about getting into this endeavor for uh, quite some time, and last year you went into it full blown and uh, uh, even uh, bought some worms. And uh, yep, you have some worms, worms that you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And some of our listeners may not even be aware of this. I didn't know about it until you did the research and got these worms, and we'll take the the uh, compost from the worms that you keep in a big tub and make like a tea that uh, like you put that in a little bag and put some explain how that works i feed them my garbage they get all the scraps from the kitchen there's certain scraps but i feed them once a week and they um well i don't want to say that word on the radio they defecate they, they defecate the um, the dirt and process the garbage through them and it makes the m- most wonderful soil and I can't I mean it's very concentrated you can't use much of it but I use this worms and then I have this brewing process that we make tea and then I spray it on the foliage and you the put plants. that in like a garden sprayer spray yeah. it on the plant itself and it goes into the plant and down through the roots well, and it, into it the soil creates all these microbes in the soil that uh-huh. they're going up and down the stems and um, they're making healthy plants. Well, I have to, I have to just I'll just admit publicly. I know that you've heard me complain about all this. It's like all the the time and expense, and I'm like, is this even worth it? But after the first year, I thought, wow, this is a this is a big waste. But we're seeing the 
results. I personally, I think that it's more than just the season. I think that uh, it's obvious that the soil is getting richer and richer and that it's providing because the plants not only are growing big, but they're also very healthy. And so anyhow, we didn't uh, we're not on salt and light to talk about no, gardening. We're not. This but, is not the garden show. But you mentioned to me uh, the other day about something, a thought that the Lord gave you as you were in your garden. And so share that and That'll kind of segue us into what we want to talk about in the broadcast today. Okay. Um, Well, everything we do in life can be applied spiritually. And so being in the ministry and trying to help people, we're always thinking of things um, as we're doing things that we might help others. And I was in the garden. um, And this year with our green beans, we did something a little different that I got from my brother-in-law. We... We put them, they're mountain half runners, and we strung them up. There's posts at least six feet tall. So you're not having to bend over and pick them, which is great for yeah, me. Yeah, it's been, yeah, good for me too. <laughs> and so as I'm, as I'm picking my beans, I'm thinking, I'm looking, and as you know with green beans, especially the mountain half runners, you've got two beans together. They're growing on that vine and always pull the two beans. You're going through. You're pulling them by twos mostly. And I thought, you know, these beans are growing together. There, There's two beans here. You don't see a single bean growing by itself. God intended um, even plants to stick together and grow together. And we wanted to, it made me think of applying that. People think they can worship God alone out in the nature and maybe watching live stream, but are they really growing? Yeah. You know, that's been a concern that I've had. And of course, we started when the COVID pandemic hit, what's it been, three plus years ago? I've lost track. It's been such (laughs) such an interesting last three years. But we started doing live stream at Temple Baptist Church because there for a while we weren't able to assembled together. We weren't able to have church. The governor of North Carolina had a mandate, and uh, I certainly respect other churches who decided to just go ahead and meet whatever. We just felt that for the time being, until we found out a little bit more information about this pandemic, what was real, what was just propaganda, we wanted to just honor the governor, and we started doing live stream temporarily. And we did that for, I don't remember, several months, and then Um, we had heard about some churches that were having drive-in church. And I thought, you know what, let's give that a try. And we didn't plan on switching to to drive-in, but we just thought, let's just give it a try. And when we did it, we had a, a, everybody pulled into our parking lot and into our field. And we had a step going up to actually the side uh, front of the auditorium exit. It's just a fire exit, but it's an elevated step. And so I, I stood on that little porch and I preached and then everybody, when we left, we, it was just so, it was so phenomenal, the blessing it was that we were congregated together, seeing one another. And I just remember that the Holy Spirit showed me at that moment, the value of congregating, of coming to church, people coming together. I knew it was important. I had preached that it was important, but I didn't really fully realize the impact of that until we had went several months without congregating and it really really stuck in my heart and it opened up just some of the scriptures that god says about it and folks we want to talk this broadcast we're going to be talking about church and 
while live stream was a good thing, I think that we're still doing live stream and we're still ministering to some people, some shut-ins, some people outside of our community. But uh, uh, my fear and concern, Sister Lynn, was that some people were going to get used to live stream and rather than feel the way that we felt and understand the value of assembling together, that perhaps maybe they would devalue it and think, well, I've got live stream, I can listen to the sermon and that's all that I need. Now, listen folks, don't, don't get me wrong. Live stream listeners, we appreciate you. We want you to continue to listen. You need to hear the preaching and teaching of God's word. That's very valuable. But at the same token, we want to encourage you that coming to church is also very, very important. It does something in our Christian growth that just hearing a sermon cannot accomplish. And so we want to encourage you. We're going to talk next segment a little bit more about what the Bible says about the church and hopefully encourage you to be more involved in church attendance and ministry. post-COVID pandemic, uh, what pastors are dealing with, uh, live streams become very, uh, a very prominent uh, thing in church and ministry, and uh, it's a good thing. And once again, I'm joined by my wife, Lynn Mitchell, and Lynn, uh, the live stream has been very valuable. I know that we get feedback almost every week from people on live stream and I know you help uh, oversee our church Facebook, and so you see some of those comments and some of the, uh, just the feedback of some encouraging things from people listening to live stream. And I think it's been a very valuable ministry, and over time we've kind of grown an audience outside of our church, and not only in this community, but all across the country. I know live stream has been uh, appreciated by uh, my family out west and right. I know a lot of times you know they have churches that they faithfully attend and I'm very honored that they you know even though I'm their brother Jesus said a prophet's not without honor <laughs> save yeah. in his own country and among his own kindred but I'm very thankful that I've got um, got sisters and family members nieces and nephews that actually um, uh, listen and tune in to our live stream um, some of them every single service and then others uh, on occasion but that's that's a huge it's a huge encouragement to me personally that they know me and still uh, still value uh, the the bible preaching and teaching and so we appreciate our live stream listeners but as we started to talk about last segment we know that just listening to a live stream message is not completely god's plan and the congregating together is a valuable thing. Now, you grew up in church. You were probably, I mean, was there ever a time that you remember in your life that you weren't in church faithfully? Um, no, not until I was four years old when we started going to church. And it's always been a part of our lives. And I never, as a kid, woke up and said, are we going to church Sunday morning, Dad? No, we mm -hmm. got in the car and we, we were expected to go, even as teens. Yeah, I grew up, I, I, my parents weren't right with the Lord when I was real young, but 
my aunt would come and pick up me and my sisters and take us to Nazarene Church Sunday School. This is out in Idaho, and so, uh, but my parents were Christians, and they had uh, they had been in Baptist churches, but they had just gotten away from the Lord, and so I'm thankful that my aunt took us to Sunday school. Uh, I, I mean, I don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, I just remember that it happened, and I'm sure that I heard some things and learned some things that only God knows how valuable that they were to me and you know sometimes people think well the kids aren't listening i i don't remember that i was paying that close of attention but i know that a lot of stuff stuck in my mind and and then god the holy spirit would take and use that in my heart but um then my parents got right with the lord and got into church faithfully and i'm thankful that i had parents that they were sunday morning sunday night wednesday night every time that the church was open basically they were there and just like you i don't remember ever feeling that there was an option right and you know since covid i was reading that church attendance has reduced about 10 percent um but most of the people that go to church are over the age of 65. Um, people with children tend to be in the next category that they they think it's important for their children to go. I don't know that they necessarily think it's important for them, but for their children to be raised in church, they know that they need that foundation. Mm-hmm. But the age group in middle age, um, like our age group, that there's like a, a big slump in church attendance. I guess people think they've raised their children. Um, they don't quite, they're not close to death, so they don't need God as much. But to me, I don't know about you, but I think this midlife part or the part of life in your midlife is one of the hardest parts because you're readjusting everything. You got adult children, you have um, just, it's just new challenges. You know, I agree, and I think that sometimes for those listeners that are raising children, so much of our energy and focus and our motivation is about our children. Right. And I, I've said this all along. If somebody brings a little soul into the world and they're Christian, they believe in God, and that doesn't light a fire under their backside to, to get serious about God, something is missing something there is something drastically wrong with that person that they won't take that responsibility now the bible says that we should raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the lord and so and i've seen this i've seen people who were very lackadaisical apathetic christians that would attend church occasionally but once they got married and brought once a child came into this world all of a sudden you see them get more serious about church. They start attending faithfully, bringing their kids to Sunday school and so forth. That's a good thing. But at the same token, there's also something that's lacking there because we're not supposed to be living for our children. We're supposed to be living for Jesus Christ. And one of these days, as you mentioned, our children are going to be grown and they're going to leave the house. And at that point, if you've just been going to church, worshiping God, for your children's sake, you're going to be left in kind of this no man's land. Where am I? And you're not going to have any equilibrium or direction because you've been doing it for, you've been doing a good thing and for a good reason, but not necessarily a perfect reason. And that's where uh, our motivation and what we do in life has to, there has to be a higher priority than just the things in this life here. And we have to look past that 
and realize that God is what this is all about. Jesus Christ is what it's all about. And church is about Jesus Christ. And the church belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus valued the church so much, and he likened the husband-wife relationship to his relationship with the church. He said, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Folks, if we say that we love Jesus Christ, then we ought to love the things that he loves, and he loves the church. And I have a big question mark about people who say, yeah, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, but I have no use for church. And I think that there are some people maybe that have been hurt by church. That's understandable. But I promise you, if you're one of those listeners that you have turned your back on the concept of church because something bad happened to you from church, then you need to look past that and realize that it's not about the people, it's about Jesus Christ. One of the few types of fruit that grows single, most everything grows in clusters or by twos or or um, on a bush with, with a lot of fruit. Um, a pineapple grows singly, but you know what happens to the pineapple after it produces the fruit, the plant dies. And so, you know, we can compare that to if you're not attending church and you're just you think you're doing okay, well there may be something that blindsides you in life and then you may just wither away. Yeah, and you know that's true. And so some people have turned their back on church or drifted away from church and then found out that you know what, I'm still okay. I still believe in God. My life's all right. I didn't need church. Well, I want to remind all of you if that is the way that you are thinking right now, then what you're doing is you're just living for this life only. And we've got to look past that and realize that this life that we live here on this earth, I wouldn't say that it's entirely a test, but I will say this, that God is judging us on how we live this life. Jesus made that perfectly clear. He said, every idle word that we speak will give an account to our Heavenly Father. And there's this uh, judgment coming up for every believer the Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ, and we're going to give an account for what we do in this body. And if we're just living for ourselves and say, well, this just works better for me, then, uh, and we're living selfishly, then we need to uh, understand that the Bible teaches that we are going to stand before God one of these days. So church is important, whether you've been hurt by church, whether you've drifted away from church, whether COVID got you in a bad habit of you know, uh, I know, Sister Lynn, when we, during COVID, when we even started having church again, we tried to kind of, uh, we wanted to have our Sunday morning service, but we didn't have a Sunday evening service for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew as a preacher, <laughs> I liked those Sunday evenings off. Oh boy, did we. It, it, it was, to the, the flesh liked it. It's just like, wow, I got to go in. I don't have to teach Sunday school. I preach one message. I give it my all, and I did. I mean, I just I, I gave it all, but I was able to focus on that one message. But, boy, Sunday evening, just relaxing was so nice, and I thought, Lord, please don't let me get too used to this. And when we started back to full schedule after all of the COVID threat and uh, when we understood a little bit more about it, it was like this is a little bit hard to get back into the habit of. But um, I saw we've got some faithful people at at our church, and they were so glad to be back to a full schedule. Um, One more thing that COVID affected by is our children. We noticed that the children, because we didn't have Sunday school, 
um, most kids that were around six years of age, by the time COVID's over, they're eight. They've already missed all that time of learning Bible stories. So we've, we've been playing catch up for quite a while now. We've been doing more stuff on Wednesday nights. We've been doing stuff. We have a kid's lesson on Sunday night during our service. And then, of course, Sunday school. And so, yeah, teaching them the the books of the Bible. We've been doing more sword drills. Right. We've been doing a lot of things to try to, to disciple, to teach and to train our children. And so we can't, uh, we can't get back those times that we lost. But as the Bible says, we can certainly redeem the time and do everything we can because, you know, learning the Bible and having our kids in Sunday school is such an important thing. Well, here after this next break, Sister Lynn, uh, we're going to dive in for at least uh, 10 or 15 minutes and talk about the Bible doctrine of the church. We've been talking a lot practically, some personal experience, but uh, we want to take a little bit of time, folks, in the next segment, and we're going to talk about what the Bible says, not our opinion, but what the Bible says about the local church. And so we're really excited about what Uh, the Word of God has to say, and we trust that uh, what we will be talking about will be a help and a blessing to you. And so as we lead into that teaching, I want to leave you in this segment with the terminology of the church. The the term church simply means an assembly or a congregation. Uh, A lot of people who like to go to the the Greek word meanings and so forth, they they will tell you that the word church in the Greek language is ekklesia and that it means a called out assembly. And that is certainly uh, that is certainly true. But uh, the Bible has a definition that is just slightly different as we compare scripture with scripture. And uh, we will be talking about that here uh, in the next segment. So we hope that you'll stay tuned and join us here in just a few minutes as we continue on the doctrine of the local church and the word of God. the Bible teach about the doctrine of the church? Terminology. We started talking about this here a few minutes ago, but we want to continue. Hebrews chapter 2, verse number 12 is a direct quote from the Old Testament that we find in the New Testament. And it says, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. Now, that's a, that's a quote from Psalm 22, 22, and listen to what Psalm 22 says. I will declare thy name unto my brethren in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Now, the term church does not appear in the Old Testament. It appears, first of all, in Matthew 16, 18. We're going to look at that here in just a minute. But if you see the, the, the quote from Hebrews 2 of Psalm 22, Psalm 22 uses the word congregation, Hebrews 2 uses the word church. So obviously, uh, we have a Bible definition of the meaning of church. It's a congregation. Now, every time you see the word church, it's not always talking about the same thing. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul talked about the church in the wilderness. That's a reference to the children of Israel as God brought them out of Egypt. They're wandering around in the wilderness as a congregation. They are assembled together, and so they are referred to as a church. 
in the book of Acts, it talks about, uh, Paul said, we are neither robbers of churches, plural. And, uh, and so the interesting thing is that that term churches in the book of Acts didn't always refer to a congregation of Christians. It also was a reference to the pagan worshipers. They would call that a church as the worshipers of the goddess Diana. So the word church is not always a label but it is always a word with a meaning. And so when you study the Bible, it's always, it, it's very important that you remember that. Uh, the term baptism and just different things, they have a word meaning and they're not always a label for a systematic theological doctrine. And so the, the church is a congregation. And, you know, the children of Israel, even if they were scattered and not meeting together, they were still a congregation. They were God's people that he had brought out of Egypt. And in the same sense, if you are a born-again Christian, you are part of God's church even when you're not congregated or assembled together on Sunday. And so it's talking about the people, not the organization or the building. Most of our listeners probably understand that, but I think it's important to remind uh, everyone of that truth. Now, the first mention of the word church is a very controversial passage of scripture. In fact, uh, it, it has uh, been so abused uh, in its interpretation. I'll say more about that in a moment. Matthew 16, verse 18. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking to the apostle Peter. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I've heard many preachers, you probably grew up hearing this, Sister Lynn, preachers saying that, you know, that the, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Right. And I, I appreciate that. I, I, I know that, uh, you know, when you read that verse, it would be very easy to understand it that way. In the same sense that if you just take that verse in and of itself, you could, it's, 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 it's understandable for someone to say that Jesus is declaring that the church is going to be built upon Peter, the rock. Now, the term Peter, or the word Peter is Petros. It means a stone. And so it's understandable, but in the context, just a few previous verses, Jesus had asked the disciples, whom do men say that I am? Peter who was always the bold one to speak out, he said that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And folks, if you will go back to Matthew 16 and study that out, you will see that the context that Jesus is talking about is, is all based upon what, Jesus, what Peter responded, that you're Christ. And so when Jesus said that thou art Peter, he's not saying that Peter, you're the rock, what he's saying, he's distinguishing the difference between himself and Peter, and he's saying that Jesus is declaring that I'm the rock upon this rock, and Jesus was referring to himself in that conversation, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The it there is the rock. And of course, Jesus, according to the scripture, he died, was buried. He was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Just, right. And, and uh, on the third day, he resurrected. The gates of hell did not prevail 
against the rock, against Jesus Christ. And uh, if, if you've had a different understanding, in light of what I just said, go back to Matthew 16, take a look for that for yourself, and I think you're going to see crystal clear. And what I just declared is also consistent with what the Bible says. Romans 9, 33 says that Jesus is the rock. Uh, he says, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, verse number 4, that they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock, capital R-O-C-K, that followed them, and that rock, capital R, was Christ. And even Peter himself in 1 Peter 2, verses 7 through 8, makes it crystal clear that his understanding was that Jesus was the rock, not that he was. Now, how many people, there's no telling how many people are in hell today because of the misinterpretation or the private interpretation of this verse. There is a very, uh, you know, probably the most predominant quote-unquote Christian religion in the world today would be Roman Catholicism, and they have declared that this verse is saying that Peter was the first pope and that the church is built upon Peter. And folks, that is a misinterpretation, and there's no telling how many people who uh, put their faith and trust in a church, in an organization, rather than in Jesus Christ, and I think that's a very, very sad thing when the, the Word of God is misinterpreted. Now, the church is the body of Christ, and we know the church as the local church. But from God's perspective, Sister Lynn, it's not just a local organization. We've been around church our whole life. We've assembled, we've had pastors, and we've seen how church is manifest in the world that we live in. But there's also another aspect of the, the term church that it has to do with the way that God sees the church. I believe in a local church, a local assembly. Everyone that is born again and baptized should be congregated together as a local church. There was a time when every city just had one church, and that's certainly a long time it is ago. It's not the case now, especially in the South. When we go out west, we see that they're, they're more sparse. Um, but here in the South, you can you can see one church steeple from another church. You know? That's right. <laughs> like, I mean, but even out west in the same town, you may have only one Baptist church, but you have a Methodist church and a Presbyterian correct. church and a Nazarene church and a non-denominational church. And listen, folks, we're not saying that only the Baptists are Christians. Absolutely not. Absolutely there not. There are plenty of Baptists that are not saved, and there are plenty of people of other uh, denominations and churches and stuff that are saved. Listen, being saved has nothing to do with what church, uh, local church we belong to. It has to do with whether we have repented of our sins and truly put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ from the heart, not just the, the head understanding, but from the heart. So if you've been regenerated, you are part of what the Bible calls the body of Christ, all right? When you hear that term, the body of Christ, it's talking about the church, not the local church. It's talking about what we commonly refer to as the universal church. It's everyone, 
everywhere in every time period that has truly been regenerated. Matt, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 22, listen to what it says, folks. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven. All right, that's a roll call. Uh, that is a role not, you know, we have a church attendance at Temple Baptist. You work in the office. and so We, we do. We keep track of that. Yeah, we keep track every week who's there and who's not. Who's there. And it always shocks people because they think, oh, I just missed a couple of Sundays. And then they look and they haven't been there in a couple months. Yeah, or it's been <laughs> It's like longer. when it gets written down, it, it becomes, you know. But then also people who have come forward and said, we want to join Temple Baptist Church. We keep the, a register of that. Sometimes people move or leave, and then they go join another church, and so we administrate that. But that's not what Hebrews 22 is talking about. It's talking about the register that God keeps in heaven. Everyone that's been born again, their name is written in heaven, and the context is this general assembly and church of the firstborn, and to God the judge of all and to the spirits of just men made perfect. So that's what the Word of God says. And so we know that the, the term church is not just a reference to what we see locally, but it's a reference to the entire body of Christ. Colossians 1.18 says, and he is the head of the body. That's talking about Jesus Christ. Head of the body, comma, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So here we see the body of Christ and the church are used synonymously. The universal aspect of the church does not negate the scriptural teaching of the importance of the local church. Uh, Len, I've been around preachers and Christians that think that you have to choose one or the other. I've been around some people that they're universal church only people. And they think, well, if you're born again, then you don't you don't need to go to a local church. That's not important. And then I've been around some Baptist brethren that they don't believe in a universal church. They only believe in a local church. And that creates all kinds of practical problems, you know, in different areas like baptism and communion and different things. And so uh, that really, I, I've known some preachers that think that it's only a real legitimate church if it says Baptist on the name. Yeah, and then there's some that believe that their church is the local church. Right, it, right. And, and you know, sometimes they'll take a look at the term universal church. Listen, the universal church, universal is the same word in English as the Latin is Catholic. Not Catholic with a capital C, but Catholic with a little c. And so the term Catholic in Latin means universal. And so the problem is, is that the Roman Catholic Church says we are the church, we are the organization, and they're wrong in that. Listen, universal church, the body of Christ, is not any earthly organization. It is everyone who has been truly regenerated and born again. And once again, that role and that administration takes place in heaven, not here on this earth.
We've been talking about church, not only the local church, but also the universal church. Once again, Pastor Randy Mitchell, my wife, Lynn Mitchell, uh, we've had a good time. It seems like the broadcast has just flown by today. It goes by really fast. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes it does. I, I know before we went to Ecuador, I had to record, uh, I think, about three broadcasts before we left. And it's just uh, by the time we got past the first one, it seemed like that it was just really taking a long time. Oh, I but bet. I'm, I'm actually glad that now that we're back to normal with some of the changes that we've had, that this has flown by. I like it when it flies by rather than uh, it seems like it's running a marathon. So. Right. Do you ever get tired of hearing yourself talk? Uh, I do, actually. And, and you know that. You know I'm a very <laughs> quiet a, person. He's an introvert. <laughs> I know. I'm an introvert. I don't like to talk, and yet God called me to be a pastor. <laughs> God has God a sense thinking. of humor. I know uh, it. I know it. But uh, it is a joy to serve the Lord. And, you know, in light of that, we've been talking about church. Ephesians 4, verse number 11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so as we're talking about church, one of the most important things that God gives to a local church and the value of the local church, and I'm not being narcissistic here, but the value is pastors. And we're living in a day and age, if you're a live stream, just live stream only viewer, then you may have a preacher, you may have somebody that is teaching you, but you're not necessarily under a pastoral leadership ministry. A lot of people don't want a pastor today. They just want somebody to fill the pulpit and preach. Even churches that have a pastor in name, they don't necessarily have a pastor in function. And I want to encourage all of you listeners that if you are a born-again Christian, you need to have a pastor. You need to have somebody that God has called a man of God, someone that has not only just been ordained officially by a religious organization, but somebody that that the Holy Spirit of God has actually called them and filled them with the, the pastoral gift and the Holy Spirit in order to minister, in order to expound the Word of God, in order to lead and to, to guide and to counsel. And someone that has those expectations that 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through, I believe, verse number 10 spells out that a pastor should be. And part of the problem with churches today is we have so many, you mentioned it, that we have one on every corner, and I, I just personally, I don't believe that every church has a true man of God in it. Uh, you know, sometimes they're just, well, these, this church split off of this and then they split again. And so we've got all of these local congregations and they're just looking for someone that's willing to fill the pulpit. And because of that, the, the, the quality of the pulpit ministry has really been watered down or dumbed down. Uh, because of that. And, you know, just because you have a building and an organization doesn't mean that God's in it. You read the book of Revelation, uh, all the description of the churches, God's looking for some specific criteria for his presence. And in the Laodicean church, you have Jesus knocking on the door, trying to get in. And, you know, that's the worst thing that could happen to any church is to have Jesus on the outside trying to get in. And so uh, I, I hope that our, our listeners will take, um, will take um, that advice and that admonition and find a church that is a church that God is in and that has a true man of God. Um, if you have a pastor that truly cares about you, you may not realize the time he spends in prayer 
and thinking about you, worrying about you. Um, through the COVID thing and, and people staying home and listening um, to the live stream, there's times that you've really worried about people in your congregation. And, and now that people aren't getting back into church like they need to be, you it takes even more time praying for them and worrying about them and the outreach. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people don't even realize that. Yeah, no one can understand and no pastor can even get you to understand the burden that they bear for the people and for each church service and whatnot. I know... Lynn, I want to just thank you publicly. I know for, uh, I guess I've been in, uh, I've been pastoring here in Statesville for 15 years, and I know that every Saturday you're basically a widow. Uh, (laughs) I'm with you. I'm with you, but I'm not with you. And I I know that you have to make a sacrifice because how that burden, I mean, the, the burden of Sunday just starts bearing down on me and it's not worry, it's not stress, it's just you, you can't help it. And if you have a pastor's heart, it's just the way that it is. And I just wanna say personally and publicly how much I appreciate you and your patience and uh, no, no one can pastor effectively without a good pastor's wife. And so if the Lord has blessed us at all, then that certainly is, um, goes on your account as well. And, I, and I'm certain that the Lord's going to reward you for it. Well, it's my privilege. It took us many years to figure that out, though. I just thought that you had turned into a different, you were a Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> I thought, what is happening to him on Saturday? Well, and it but, took me a while to figure it out, too. Yeah, it's just, but it's it's just, just a burden. the burden, and God put that burden on you. And, if, and once we figured that out, it worked great. Yeah, well... Praise the Lord for his grace. Well, as we, I want to wrap up this topic and we're going to finish out talking about our trip to Ecuador. Yes. I'm really looking forward to that for the last few minutes. But listen to this, folks. We're, we're talking about the importance of the church. And uh, listen to what 1 Corinthians 10.32 says. It says, Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. We think about all these different ethnicities and people groups. God looks down on the human race and he only sees three categories of people. Not race, not nationality, not anything. He sees Jews. Those are the people that uh, are descendants of Abraham, Genesis 12, where God called Abraham. He sees Gentiles. That's everyone else. And then that third group is the church of God. That's everyone from both those categories, Jews or Gentiles, that in this time period have been born again and placed into the body of Christ. So if God classifies only three different people groups, I would say that the church of God is pretty important. If you are saved, if you claim to be saved, you ought to value the church the way that God values it. And you ought to be faithful and get involved. So many people think that I can just listen to the sermon, but listen, you can't worship together. You can't encourage one another. You can't have accountability. And you certainly uh, you certainly cannot serve or minister if you're just sitting at home or on your phone and watching a live stream service. So if, you're, if that's all you're going to do, keep doing it. We encourage you to do that. Get in on the preaching and teaching, but we also would like to encourage you to take a step forward. Let's grow together. Get into church and let's grow together. Ecuador trip. Ecuador. I wanted to spend more time on this, but uh, we had a great time in Ecuador. What was the thing that really stood out to you? This was our first time to Ecuador. What stood out to you about that trip, Sister Lynn? Um, This was an amazing trip. I've been on very... uh, We've been on several mission trips, 
and Ecuador stands out. But the biggest thing that we noticed was the family. The the families lived together mostly, but the father was honored. You could see sons, grown sons, going up to their fathers and putting their arms around them and, and taking their advice and working together. And I've never seen that before in a country. I know. It was like the family unit. And listen, I, I, t- I preached about this this past Sunday. In fact, it's going to be, it would have aired um, this past Sunday on Back to Basics. But I, I talked about that at the beginning of the sermon and how that I came back from that mission trip actually jealous of what Ecuador had in comparison to what we have in America. I'm not unpatriotic. I'm not unthankful for our country. I, I, I love our country. But Ecuador has some things that America has lost. And that family unit, that respect and that honor and that love, it was evident. You could see it not just in a few families. We saw it in families that weren't even part of the church that we visited. Or weren't even Christians. They weren't even Christians. But you could tell that the, the children were respectful of their parents. Their parents were very loving of the children. And it was so, it was so prominent. And with that, I believe that there's a connection between that element and the fact that we saw people who were attentive to the gospel message and that, you know, many of them had never heard the gospel message, but they listened. And the more that would hear the gospel, people would respond and they would get saved. Some children would get saved, but then also the adults, when they would hear it, you could just see their heart being drawn in. When we witness to people and when we preach to people today in America, it's like deer in the headlights. It's like water on a duck's back. And it's frustrating because the message is the same. You know, we pray the same. You know, I believe that God's power is still in the message, but the problem is not the seed of the Word of God. The problem is the soil. And the soil in America has gotten very, very fallow, very, very hard, uh, doesn't have the nutrients that it needs. And I think at the root of that is this family dysfunction and deficiency that we see in America today. Yeah, I think that the children being thankful, that's a big part of being a good Christian is being thankful or even submiss, you know, submitting to authority. Yeah, they were very thankful. They'd get a little snack at the end of vacation Bible school, a piece of bread and a little cup of juice or kool-aid kind of and they were so glad to get it and i I just i i I wish that we could get that back here in america well folks it's been good to be with you here today we'd like to invite you to come visit us at temple baptist church this sunday we've got some uh, great sunday school teachers we'll be teaching and preaching out of revelation 13 so come join us god bless you appreciate you tuning in to salt and light today We appreciate you taking the time to join us at Salt and Light. It is our desire that you experience the joy of following Jesus Christ. He loves you and he died on the cross for your sins. He will give you hope, peace, and eternal life if you will repent of your sins and trust him as your savior. You may see yourself as a good person, but you will never be good enough to deserve heaven. You may see yourself as bad, but you can never be too bad for Jesus to forgive you. You can call upon him to save you this very moment. If you are a born-again Christian, we want to encourage you to obey Christ's command and be salt and light to those around you. 
We encourage you to find a Bible-believing church that does not compromise or water down the Bible and get involved serving the Lord. If you have a Bible question or a particular issue you would like us to discuss on Salt and Light, visit our website at templebaptistnc.com. Click on the Salt and Light link. Once again, that's templebaptistnc.com. May the Lord bless you. We hope you'll join us again next week.